What's up, Wizards fans and NBA nerds? My name is Bryce Haas, and you're listening to the Wizards Hoops Analyst Podcast on the Hoop Heads Podcast Network, a podcast giving you game-by-game breakdowns of everything Wizards. Hoopheads Nation, we appreciate you listening to this episode of Wizards Hoops Analyst. Be sure to check out these other NBA pods on the Hoopheads Podcast Network, including Knock If You Buck, 305 Culture, Spanning the Spurs, Hashtag Lakers, Motor City Hoops, X's and O's NBA Breakdown, LA Hoops, Cavalier Central, At the Buzzer, and Lakers Fast Break. Plus our coaching-focused podcasts, Thrive with Trevor Huffman, Beyond the Ball, the CoachMaze.com podcast, Players Court, Bleachers and Boards, The Green Light, and Courtside Culture. Oh, and don't forget to check out our flagship, the Hoopheads podcast, hosted by me, Mike Cleansing, and my co-host, Jason Sunkel, featuring the best minds in the game, from grassroots to the NBA. Hey, hoopheads, we all hate ankle sprains, and they happen way too often. Ankle injuries are the number one sports-related injury. Arise is trying to change that. With the iFast, your athletes get preventative protection and full mobility. Athletes no longer need to wear bulky braces that limit performance and give mediocre protection. Anyone playing sports should be using these products. Keep your athletes in the game. Don't wait for them to get hurt to take action. Visit www.arise.com slash team pricing to learn more. That's A-R-Y-S-E dot com. That was a good win for the Wizards. Um, I don't know how many games they've won in a row now, like seven or eight. Um, but yeah, the, th- the Thunder are not a good team at all. Um, so the Wizards just beat the Thunder by 20 points. They won 129 to 109. Um, the Wizards' record now um, goes to 26 and 33, while the Thunder's record drops um, to 20 and 40. Um, just going over, oh no. Um, so coming into this game, um, the Thunder um, were 30th in the NBA in point differential at a with a point differential minus 9.1, uh, 30th in the NBA in offense, and that's for, with Shogi Alexander um, for most of the season um, with an offense rating of ridiculously low, 104.7. <laughs> Oh, man. And then defense rating was actually 22nd in the league coming into this game um, with a defense rating of 113.8. But again, a lot of that um, this season with um, Al Horford. So pretty much like probably the worst offensive and defensive team in the league. Um, But the Wizards won. Also, their their win differential is plus 5.9, which is absolutely insane. They've won 20 games this year, and their expected wins based off their point differential is 14.1. That's a... That's a ludicrously, insanely high number. <laughs> um, just going over the overview four factors um, for this particular game. Um, the Wizards' offense rating was 122.1, which is really good. That's in the 77th percentile, while the Thunder was at 103.8, which is really, really bad. Um, the Wizards' effective field goal percentage was 62, which is in the 80th percentile, really, really high. The Thunder's effective field goal percentage was 47.3. Wizards' turnover rate was 19.2, which is not good. Um, really should not be happening against an Oklahoma City Thunder team. That's not very good. Um, but anyways, not really that big of a deal in this type of game. Um, Thunder's turnover rate was 16.3, which is about three points lower than the Wizards. Um, Wizards' offense rebound rate was actually 34.1. Um, which is great. Um, Thunder was also pretty high, though, at 28.6. And the Wizards free throw was 16.3, while Thunder's was 22.6. Um, just to go over some... Well, actually, I want to go over the win probability first. Um, at one point in this game, 
the Thunder were favored to win the game. Um, per ESPN's win probability model, they had a 54.6% chance to win when they're winning by six points. Um, yeah, I don't know. That's kind of questionable. Um, but anyways, um, this game wasn't really close for the whole entirety of the second half. Um, at the be- So with nine minutes left in the third quarter, the Wizards pushed the lead to 10 points coming out of halftime. Um, it was actually pretty close at halftime. I think the Wizards were winning by two or no, they're winning by four at halftime. Um, but then they push it to 10 really, really quickly. Um, you know, about three minutes in and then, you know, three minutes in there when probably was at 88.8 or 88.6%. Um, so not really competitive throughout the entirety of the game. Um, you know, the Thunder, they hung in there for like about a half. <laughs> you got to give them some credit for that. Um, but yeah, so going over um, some of the Wizards stuff, um, Isak Bonga started tonight, um, but he only played 10 minutes and he started because the Denny Abdia um, hairline fracture to the... I don't even remember what the exact bone was. I'll figure that out by the end because I'm going to run into things to talk to um, so uh, or talk about. Um, so <laughs> so Russell Westbrook in this game at 37 points, just they could not guard him. Um, it's, that's kind of what I talked about the last time the Wizards played the Thunder. Like, I didn't understand why Westbrook didn't have this typical type of game. Um, but he did tonight in Oklahoma City. You know, Russell Westbrook revenge game, la, 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 la. Um, but 37 points plus 16 in 37 minutes, 14 and 23 from the field, three or four from three and six or seven in the line. So 37 points on a super, super efficient 26 and a half shooting possessions. Really, really, really nice night for Westbrook. Um, he was in attacking with the whole entire night. Like, again, like they could not stop him. I'll talk about that um, later. But Bradley Beal had 33 points um, plus 12. Um, 33 points coming, uh, 12 of 24 from the field, four, six from three and five of five at the line. So 26 and a half shooting possessions for 33 points is pretty good also. Um, and that's like really it for Wizards notable performances. Those two combined for 70 of the Wizards, 129 points. Um, I guess like how Neto actually played really, really well. He had 15 points, but also played just absolutely great defense on it long. Um, as he's been like pretty solid on defense the whole entire season. Um, that was Rattans at 12 points. He was plus six, um, from the field, um, Aaron plus six from the field. What am I talking about? Um, he was plus six overall. Um, four of seven from three-point range, and those were the only seven shots he took all game. Didn't shoot any free throws. Um, Anthony Gill actually came in and like was good. Um, he played 20 minutes this game off the bench, um, and he didn't even come in until like, later in the second half, I think, or not second half, second quarter. Um, and he was plus 20 in 20 minutes. He had nine points, 10 rebounds, um, and he was four or five from the field, one or two from three. Um, but he came out, he gave energy, um, you know, did what, like some of the dirty work, got some points off offensive rebounds, was cutting well, um, you know, made an open three, um, played, you know, solid defense. Like those, <laughs> I mean, like, I guess the best game of his season, because I guess technically the best game of his NBA career tonight. Um, that's fun to see. Um, yeah, Chandler Hutchinson got some run. He didn't do anything. <laughs> um, had to shout him out. Um, and yeah, that's pretty much it for notable wizard performances. Um, that were positive. Um, for the Thunder, Darius Baisley had 20 points, 3 or 5 from 3, 5 or 8 from the line, and um, 6 to 12 from the field. He actually looked pretty decent out there, um, offensively speaking. Um, <laughs> he got... I'll, I'll, no, I'll talk about it. Um, so he had those 20 points on 16 shooting possessions, which is pretty efficient. Um, Teo Maladon also had 20 points. Um, those 20 points coming on 14 and a half shooting possessions. Um, so also really efficient night for him. Um, Lou Dwart had 18 points on 18 and a half shooting possessions. So not very efficient. Um, yeah, I'll talk about his night too. Um, and then Isaiah will be coming off the bench. Um, had 18 points on 16 and a half shooting possessions, which isn't super efficient for a big, but I, no, I'll, I'll talk about all these guys. Um, and yeah, that's pretty much it for notable Thunder performances on 
one thing I like to do is go over the plus minus of the starters in the bench. Um, so in terms of the Wizards, their starters were plus nine plus or Alex Len plus nine, Westbrook plus sixteen, Neto plus fourteen, um, Bradley Beal plus twelve, and Isak Bonga plus nine. Um, for the Thunder starters, Darius Baisley minus seventeen, Alexei Pokushevsky minus nineteen, um, Lugan Stewart minus eighteen. Um, Moses Brown, who only played seven minutes and got four fouls, <laughs> minus eight. And then Teo Maladon was um, minus 18. Um, where to start in this game? Um, I'll start with Russell Westbrook. So Russell Westbrook was being guarded by um, Darius Baisley, and that was an absolute mismatch. Um, and you could tell last game that the Wizards played um, that that was a mismatch. Like Bradley Beal... In the first couple of minutes of the last game, like he was in attack mode, he was getting pretty much anything he wanted against Darius Baisley, and then he kind of stopped. Um, and I thought that was a little weird, um, but also like it was an at-home game against the Thunder in the middle, of, like later end of the season. You know, it's kind of like how you really get up for a game like that. Um, like the Thunder made it interesting towards the end of that game, um, but you know, I can understand like <laughs> like why does Westbrook care about showing Darius Baisley like how good he is um, when? He could kind of just, you know, jog around and save his energy for an actual basketball game. Like the next game was against the Golden State Warriors. Um, so I 100% understand that. But, you know, this, this is one of those, uh, you know, Westbrook personal games. Uh, he's you know, back in Oklahoma City. Um, had to show um, show him like who the king of Oklahoma City basketball is, I guess. I don't know. Um, Westbrook has a weird way of thinking. Um, but anyways, Westbrook got inside the restricted area nine times in this game, and he made eight of those shots. Um, just absolutely blowing. Like Darius Baisley, I talked about this on the last pod, but he is in his second season in the league. Um, he's like, what, 20, 21 years old. Um, he needs, like Westbrook is really, really, really strong for a guard. Um, Westbrook has been in NBA strength and conditioning programs and just working his butt off for like, what, 10 years now? More than that, I think. 10-ish years. Um, and Darius Baisley, um, you know, <laughs> coming off that Reebok internship, I don't know if they had, a, if they had that much of a weight room in that Reebok internship that he was working at, but um, uh, yeah, Darius Baisley needs to put on weight. Um, he he really, really does that. Well, really, really make him better on offense and defense, but especially like defense, like Russell Westbrook just absolutely took it to him. Um, there's basically like, he also, I don't think he has the best letter of quickness in the world, um, but it's also hard um, to put, you know, a 6'9", 6'10", power forward onto a 6'3", explosive point guard. I'm expecting to stay in front of him on game. Like Darius Baisley was going onto every screen. Um, He was giving him space, you know, closing out short, all that kind of stuff as any team would do against Russell Westbrook, but Westbrook still just pretty much exposed him every single time. Um, They're kind of matched up in a one-on-one. Um, they did kind of bait him into a few mid-range jumpers, um, but you know if Westbrook is having that efficient of a night overall, then like it's not the end of the world. Um, he shot ten shots inside the paint and nine shots from mid-range. Um, if he shot five shots from mid-range, his night would have been insanely efficient. And then instead of sh- shooting the shots, just like you know spraying the ball out to the perimeter. Um, but you know that's that's what you're going to get with Westbrook, as frustrating as it is. But eight of nine from the strict area is awesome. Um, three of nine from the mid-range is not very awesome. Um, three for four from three is not sustainable, but it's it's nice when it does happen. Um, the next thing I want to talk about is Bradley Beal. Bradley Beal is being guarded by Lugan Stewart this whole game. Um, let's talk about Lou Dort defense. Um, people love to talk about Lou Dort's defense. Um, and there's kind of a, uh, I'll call it the Patrick Beverly theory that um, people have talked about where Patrick Beverly just moves around so much and he looks like he's doing stuff out there. So that kind of causes people to overrate his defense. Um, a lot of defense, um, if like if you don't really, really notice someone, sometimes that means that they're playing good defense. Um, you're like, you know, off the ball defense does matter probably arguably more than on ball defense. Um, and while 
Luke Dort um, excels at on-ball defense against a specific player type, um, Bradley Beal was like, Lou Dort cannot guard Bradley Beal in this game. Um, like he just couldn't, like Lou Dort is just massive. Like he's built like an absolute tank. But if you're built like an absolute tank to a certain point, like it's going to put a cap on how um, like laterally quick you can be. Um, and I think that like Bradley Beal kind of burst through that cap <laughs> of Lugan Dort on um, lateral quickness. Like just Bradley Beal, his development and his ball handling ability has just been insane. Um, and tonight's game was kind of like, you know, that kind of level of insanity and just like his horizontal explosiveness. Like a lot of people, like the biggest, it's really, really easy to notice like someone like, you know, like Daniel Gafford, like jumping up and catching a lob and you're like, oh, like that guy is really, really explosive, um, like explosive as a leaper. But like Bradley Beal just on the ground athleticism is really, really good. Um, so that combined with his handle, combined with his craft, combined with like, you know, he's gotten a couple of moves, like a couple of hesitations. I'm looking at the rim, the threat of his um, three point shot off the dribble. Um, like Lou Dork did not do a good job of guarding Bradley Beal all game long. Um, I also think that Lou Dork could do like he needs to get better at kind of navigating through screens. Um, and like Lou Dork made a lot of mistakes off the ball. Like I still think like people think that like Lou Dork's like an all a defense contender this year. I think um, he's a, like he's probably two years away from that. He he needs work. Um, but like I'm not saying that he's a bad defender. But I'm kind of like more saying that like he was kind of built in a lab to defend like a James Harden type of guy who like isn't necessarily super, super quick. Um, but like, he's just like so good at like, like he's James Harden uses his strength really, really well. He uses his handle really well. Um, you know, like wrong footing guys and Lou Dort was kind of built to, um, kind of handle what James Harden likes to do. Um, and he's not really, um, as, um, you know, equipped, well equipped to handle what Bradley Beal wants to do. Um, and Bradley Beal showed that tonight. Like Bradley Beal played incredibly well. Um, he got his shots from all over the court. Um, and he had a great night uh, against Lou Dort. Um, so, yeah, that's my case against Lou Dort being on an all-defensive team this year. I still love Lou Dort. Like, Lou Dort's in his second season, so the fact that I'm even talking about him being a potential all-defensive member in two years from now, and he was a one-and-done two from Arizona State, like, that's incredible. Um, like, that's not normal. <laughs> that is not normal at all. So, like, I'm, it's not saying that, like, I'm not saying that, like, I hate Lou Dort. Like, I love Lou Dort. I want him to succeed. Um, it's just that I think that he's, you know, overrated defender at this point. Um, I most certainly think he's like Drew Gooden said that Lou Dort's a better offensive player than um, Marcus Smart. What? <laughs> what are we doing here? Are you guys out of your minds? Like Lou Dort, like did you, what what basketball have you been watching to think that Lou Dort is a better offensive player than Marcus Smart? Um, that's kind of like some of the things they say, like they they clearly like really, really only watch Wizards games, um, which is fine because that's their jobs, right? They don't really need to watch Celtics games <laughs> and like Thunder games when they're not playing the Wizards to do a solid job at their job. Um, but like, just just don't comment on like other stuff if you're not really really watching it like that's just an insane comment um but anyways um so i talked about ludor defense i talked about Darius basley defense in russell westbrook and bradley Beal offense um i'm trying to think of what i want to talk about do you want i let's talk about daniel gafford um i've seen a lot of people saying that daniel gafford is like basically acting like he's the savior of the franchise um, Daniel Gafford, um, is a fun backup center. Um, that's what he is right now. Um, you know, he is a vertical lob threat. He runs the floor. He plays hard. He has a high motor. He's long. He's athletic. He tries on defense. Like, and he's, you know, he has good sides. Like that stuff will get you to the level of a fine backup center. Like if you go into the season and Daniel Gafford, like going into the next season, if the Wizards only backup center is Daniel Gafford, like you can live with that. Um, but Daniel Gafford is not a starting level player. He's not even close. Um, he got cooked a lot on the perimeter today, um, like by different guys that you should not be cooking him on the perimeter. Like Daniel Gafford on a switch should be able to contain, um, 
Teo Maladon with how athletic and long he is. He should be able to contain Darius Baisley on a switch. He should be able to contain Isaiah Roby in an isolation or in a delay series. And he just couldn't. Like, Daniel Gafford just has no lateral quickness at all. Like, he has no defensive technique out on the perimeter. Like, he's terrible. Um, he needs a lot of work. Um, one thing, so I love Daniel Gafford's defense on the, like, interior. Like, if he's guarding a slow-footed big and then he steps up to help um, and just goes straight up vertical, like, he's good at that. He's legit good at, like, playing defense without fouling um, when guys are driving at him. Um, but on the perimeter against, like, better teams... Um, or even against a team like the Thunder that kind of plays, um, you know, five out style a little bit um, when, you know, certain personnel are in the game, like Isaiah Roby, um, who can play a little bit on the perimeter. Um, he's going to get exposed. Um, his foot speed, um, his lateral quickness is not good at all. His defense technique is not good on the perimeter. Um, and he's in his second season. Like, I cannot stress this enough that, like, guys in their first and second seasons are just generally not that good. Um, it takes, like, you know, Luka Doncic level guys like Zion Williamson, John Morant, like, those level guys to really, really be effective, like, that early in their career. Um, and Daniel Gafford's not there yet, and that's fine. Um, he's going to work on, uh, hopefully, he's going to work on that stuff in the offseason. You know, maybe work on some of that biomechanic stuff um, to maybe, like, be able to flip his hips faster. Um, you know, work a little bit on his defensive technique. Like, some of this is, like, somewhat fixable stuff. Um, so we'll see. Um, but he's not ready for it now. Um, so please, 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 um, you know, stop uh, overrating Daniel Gafford as a player. Um, where else do I want to go with this? Um you know, this is a 20-point game. I do want to talk about... Uh, oh, let's talk about um, Anthony Gill. Um, well, I talked a little bit about him, but he is interesting enough to fill a gap in the rotation, I guess. Um, I'm interested to see how he defends because I don't really know if he has a shot at defending like an actual team's power forward, especially like a starting-level power forward. Um, well, the next game's against the Cleveland Cavaliers, so, like, you could just throw him on, like, well, I mean, if he's coming off the bench, you just throw him on Dean Wade and just say, go stand next to Dean Wade on the perimeter and you'll be fine, like, so I guess it's not too hard of a matchup, um, so, and then I don't know what the game after that is, I think, against the Spurs, um, so I don't know, we'll see if Dan Anthony Gill gets in the rotation after this game, but he played really, really well tonight, um, another guy that played really, really well for the Wizards tonight was, um, <laughs> How will Neto? Um, Neto has been a really, really pleasant surprise. I remember when the Wizards signed Neto to like a minimum deal. I tweeted out like, why? Because <laughs> I was confused because the Wizards had Troy Brown. Like I still would rather have Troy Brown getting minutes right now over How will Neto. Um, just, you know, looking more forward to the future and right now. But right now, How will Neto is, has, and like for the whole season, he's been giving the Wizards incredible minutes. Like he played 34 minutes tonight. Um, and he played awesome defensively against whoever he was on. Um, even like when he got a switch on like Darius Baisley, like he was getting into his dribble. He was making it hard for Darius Baisley to get to the rim against him. Um, Neto was good. Like he is a good defender. Um, I don't remember him being that good of a defender last year in Philly. Um, well, I mean, he also barely played. Um, he was more of just like a, you know, just shoot the ball if you're open. Like, you know, remember a couple of pick and rolls and that's what your role is when you play, you know, maybe eight minutes in this game. Um, but you know, now um, he's just a lot better um, than... Like, that's kind of the thing about the NBA. Like, sometimes, you know, a guy's just not given an opportunity in this particular situation. Um, and that's kind of the boat that Neto falls into. Um, I still think of him like it's just like a solid backup point guard um, who I'd be super, super happy to bring back next year on another minimum deal. Um, and if that's the case, then, like, that's great. Like, to have Westbrook um, and then Neto as the backup point guard. Like, I, I do like that um, guard rotation, you know. Um, maybe bring back someone like Ishmith as a third guard, not necessarily in a backup point guard role. Like, Ishmith was terrible tonight. Um but, like, I don't know, like, it's hard because Ishmith is, like, such a beloved member in, like, the NBA community, um, loved by the coaches. And, like, I know a lot of DC fans really, really like Ishmith, so it's hard to bring him in into that role. We're saying, like, Ishmith, you're really only going to play if, like, someone gets in foul trouble or you're probably only going to play 10 minutes a game max. Like, 
don't know. That would be my hope, though. Um, another thing I want to talk about is from... I don't know. I guess, like, Bonga didn't play very well tonight. Um, but, you know, he's this wasn't really his matchup. He's, like... The thing that I would use Bonga, like he's a wing defensive specialist. If the other team has a really good wing that you need to put Bonga on, then that's his game. Like the next game against the Cavaliers, their starting small forward is Isaac Okoro. You probably don't need Bonga for that game. Like what's, there's no point in having out, him out there unless he's guarding the other team's best wing. Um, like otherwise, like he's, what's he doing? Um, he's like a perfectly fine help defender. Um, I wouldn't call him high level. I think he's you know, above average. Um, and then in terms of offense, he's obviously just not good at all. Um, so he has to be guarding a good wing. Otherwise, he's just completely useless out there. Like he's hurting the team he's out there. And I'm a huge Bonga fan. Um, I think he should be out there every single time there's a big wing out there on the other team. Um, but if there's not, he shouldn't be out there. Um, and that kind of got exposed in this game in particular because he was out there guarding like who? Like basically. Um, so yeah, kind of just, it didn't make sense um, to me to start him. But like, who else would you start is the question. I would say Davis Bertans, but then like your bench is so weak. Um, honestly, because I love Garrison Matthews, but you can't really start Garrison Matthews as your starting power forward. So it kind of is, it is a tough um, spot for Scott Brooks to be in right now without Rui Hachimura or Denny Abdia. Um, yeah, who do I want to talk about for the Thunder? Not really anyone. I I will point out that it's pretty hilarious that the Thunder um, brought Kendrick Williams and um, Savislav Hailuk off the bench. Um, when those are probably two of their three best players. Oh, and they brought um, Tony Bradley off the bench. So, like, three of their four best players, like, just straight up came off the bench in this game. Like, Tony Bradley only played 11 minutes. He's probably, like, their fourth best player. Um, so that's absolutely hilarious. And then they played, like, Alexei Pogushevsky 25 minutes, and he's, like, just by far the worst rotation player in the league. Like, it's not even close. Um, like, like, he is just so bad right now. <laughs> Some of the stuff he does is so hilariously stupid. Um, he obviously has, like, he, he has moments. I thought about this a lot on the last podcast. Like, he came out of Greece. He played for the Olympiacos B team last year. He's, like, 18 and a half, 19 years old, whatever. he. No, he's, he has, he's like, what, 19 and a half years old right now? So, obviously, he's going to suck. Like, no one expected him to be good. Um, he's actually been a lot better than I thought he would be. But he's still, like, one of the worst players in the league. Um, let, let's get that straight. Um, so, like him, Davidas Servitas. Um, I don't even know. I'm trying to think who else would be at the bottom there. Uh, Jalen McHugh, um, Brian Bowen, like guys like that, you know, he's, he's in that tier guys. Um, but the difference between, um, Alexei Pokushevsky and guys like that is that Alexei Pokushevsky is getting playing time. Um, and those guys aren't, so, you know, it is what it is. Um, so yeah, so the next thing I want to talk about is, um, actually I'll go through my notes and then I'll super quickly talk about, I want to update you guys on the Raptor and ELO playoff odds. Um, I don't have a ton of notes for this game, obviously, because it was kind of a blowout. (laughs) Um, And so the first note I wrote down was Russell Westbrook has blown by Darius Baisley a couple times on drives already. Keep doing that. And he did. I'm really, really happy that he did. Um, Love Ludor. I talked about that. Um, That's about his, you know, kind of foible, not foible, his flaws on defense. Um... (laughs) I've definitely never seen someone foul Lou Dort on a three, but of course Hutchinson managed to do that. Why is he on an NBA contract while Glenn Robinson the third isn't? I think that's one of the greatest questions I've ever asked in one of my notes. Um, it's ridiculous to me that Glenn Robinson the third isn't signed by an NBA team right now, and Chandler Hutchinson has played nine minutes in a basketball game um, tonight. Um, no offense to him, but like he's not an NBA player. I wouldn't be surprised if he's out of the league in three years. or I probably would be surprised if he's not out of the league in three years, honestly. Um 
I talked about that. I talked, oh yeah, Ty Jerome blew by Russell Westbrook off the dribble tonight. Um, as good as Russell Westbrook was on offense, he was not good at all on defense per usual, which is fine um, because he played so well on offense and obviously it's the Thunder. I get all that. Um, add Tony Bradley to the list of players. players I talked about that. Um, incredible. Oh, the Wizards had to switch the zone at one point because the Thunder were lighting them up. Like that's insane. Um, also quick note, the Wizards went 18 to 32 from three, um, which is completely unsustainable. Um, but it's, fun when that happens um a lot of those were good looks but even wide open looks you could not expect the team to go um, 18 to 32 um so yeah um poku's done some crazy things but he did block a lopez hook shot poku did block a lopez hook shot that's the second person i've seen block robin lopez's hook shot um which is weird to say that alexei pokushevsky is one of them i don't remember who the other one was it was it's just like it was a really athletic like wing or something maybe it was darius basley i don't know someone like that um maybe it was andrew wiggins no, it was Kelly Oubre. That's what it was. It was Kelly Oubre. Um, Daniel Gafford has been not factored tonight against the length and athleticism. Yeah, it wasn't one of Gafford's best games, but he's like 20 years old, 21. So he's going to be, and he's talked about that a little bit. Um, oh, yeah, Drew Gooden said that Bonga's a really good corner three-point shooter. He's 32% on the season, um, and those are pretty much all on wide open looks. So, no. <laughs> uh, Bonga's very reluctant to shoot, um, and like it's a win for the defense if he does shoot. Um, the closeouts feel like they've been shorter in this half, which is good. Um, yeah, that's true. Um, like the Thunder are not a good three-point shooting team at all. I'm um, just looking at their personnel, like how many of these guys on their team are above average three-point shooters besides like Kendrick Williams and Tavai Saba High Luke. Um, the correct answer would be zero. None of those guys are above average three-point shooters. Um, so, you know, why like let Alexei Pokushevsky shoot four threes? You know, let Lou Dort shoot seven threes. Like you're, you're winning possessions when those guys are shooting. Um, so that's always a good thing. Um, I like the adjustment from that perspective. Um, I talked about Bradley Beal. Um, talked about Dan McGafford. Um, okay, I talked about all this stuff. Okay, so that's it for my notes. I just want to quickly, quickly talk about the race for the 10 seed. Um, my primer, as always, for the race for the 10 seed is that if the 7 through 10 seeds are exactly equal in terms of team quality and skill and coaching and everything, um, the team that is the 10 seed still only has a 20% chance of making it to the playoffs. Um, so just keep that in mind when you're rooting for the Wizards to get to the 10 seed. If you get to the 9 seed and the same, um, you know, kind of uh, factors apply, um, you still only have a 25% chance of making the playoffs. So keep all of that in mind. But if you get to the 8 seed, all of a sudden you have a 75% chance um, to make it. So that's also a good thing. Um, so I want to look at, um, so I'm on 538 um, and then I'm looking at the um, predictions um, in terms of making the playoffs, playoff odds um, for all the teams. And this is the Raptor um, projections. Um, this uses the Raptor play, uh, player ratings um, to project um, how likely a team is to make the playoffs. And this gives the Wizards a 10% chance to make the playoffs. It puts their projected record at 32 and 40, um, which puts them behind the Raptors. Um, where are the Bulls? And ahead of the Bulls. Um, so that would put them at projected at the 11th seed. Those odds make perfect sense to me. Um, you know, if you say that the Wizards, if they make, um, let's say they make the 10 seed, they probably have a 15 to 20% chance of getting in. And then, you know, the, um, a 50, 45, 33, whatever, to 50% chance of making it to that 10 seed. Um, 10% sounds like a um, pretty, you know, that makes perfect sense to me as a number um, for the Wizards chance to make it. ELO um, is more based on like what a team has done, especially what they've done lately. Um, so in terms of ELO, the Wizards chance of making the playoffs is... 12%, which also makes perfect sense to me. You know, it kind of more factors in that the Wizards are more on a roll. Um, they've won however many straight games. They've been playing well. It factors in the schedule a little bit more, I think. Um, 
So yeah, that makes perfect sense to me too. Twelve percent. Um, it still projects them to. This actually projects them to be ahead of the Raptors, um, and ahead of the Bulls. It uh, projects their win total to be at thirty-two. Uh, Raptors at thirty, and Bulls at thirty. So it projects the Wizards to actually have um, a better chance to make the playoffs than those other two teams. But again, if you make it to that um, to the playing game, you still have to play probably the Pacers and then probably the Hornets. Um, and that is an uphill battle. Um, so yeah, that's going to do it for this episode. The next Wizards game is on Sunday against the Cleveland Cavaliers. I believe at 7 o'clock, so definitely check that out. I'll have a podcast coming out that night or the next day. Thank you for listening to the Wizards Hoops Analyst Podcast on the Hoop Heads Podcast Network. Please don't forget to subscribe and follow us on Twitter and Instagram at Pod. I'll see you next time.